0: The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts.
1: Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And on today's podcast, we have a bit of a special podcast for you, we have three interviews with Amazon executives that we recorded at the Amazon Remars conference in Las Vegas the week of June 3rd, 2019. And we've combined these three interviews together into a single episode so that way we could showcase some of the interesting, innovative things that Amazon is doing with artificial intelligence, and perhaps in ways that you may not be aware of. So you may hear a lot of noise in the background because this was filmed live on the show floor of Amazon Remars 2019, but we think you'll hopefully enjoy it. So I encourage you to stay tuned, listen in on each one of these upcoming interviews with the Amazon executives, and we will transition between each one of them with just a short transitionary clip. So stay tuned, we have Amazon executive interviews.
0: Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer.
1: So if you can hear from the background music and the ambient sounds here, we are at the Amazon ReMARS conference in 2019, where MARS stands for Machine Learning, Automation, Robotics, and Space. And on that, we have a very fabulous guest here from the host of the show, Amazon. Our guest today is Chuck Moore, who is the Vice President of Alexis Shopping. Hi, Chuck. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, great.
2: Thanks for having me. And thanks for joining us here at Remars.
0: Thanks. And welcome, Chuck, to our podcast. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Amazon.
2: Sure. So my journey in machine learning and AI, because that's the topic of Remars, started in the mid-90s. And I was in the oil business, and I was doing refinery control systems that use neural net models to control these refineries in real time. And then I moved on to doing scheduling optimization, again, using machine learning and neural nets to do optimization of the schedules of trucks and pipelines and ships. And then my sort of final efforts in the energy sector, if you will, were in the trading analytics space. About 14 years ago, that background in supply chain and control systems brought me to Amazon and was 14 years ago a much smaller company than we are mm-hmm. today but even then we were facing some really interesting problems with the scaling up and the growth that we are seeing in the marketplace and so we were looking at bringing on third party retailers manufacturers to sell their goods on amazon.com and so i came to join to do a bunch of things in that area that obviously became a very big part of amazon you know many many of the products that are sold off amazon came out of that business that we started and then i moved on to join a very early Nascent business in the devices space. We had just started our Kindle business. We had just launched our first Kindle, and I came and joined that business and was a part of Kindles, Fire Tablet, did some work in the Fire TV area, and then all of the different content that we provide in the digital space ebooks, video, music, apps. And most recently, before I joined Alexa, I was leading the Kindle business. And so I moved over about a year and a half ago to join Alexa, most specifically the things that we're doing in Alexa to help customers with their shopping. And what we're working on is helping busy customers and their families capture their in-the-moment shopping needs when they're at home, on the go, at work, and organize those in helpful ways using AI, machine learning, to save them time and reduce the hassle that it takes to get those items and get their shopping completed. It's early days, it's super exciting, a lot of really hard science and and engineering problems, but we're off to a good start. If you look at Alexa users, About a third of Alexa users are doing something in the shopping area, and that can range from things such as reorder, just being able to say, Alexa, reorder my dog food, and she takes care of it, or using a shopping list across the household. Using the Alexa shopping list, so every member of the household can make those trips to the store a lot more convenient and a lot less hassle, as well as asking Alexa questions about any one and number of products, whether that's what's the best camping tent, or does this particular granola bar have gluten in it, And then uh, simple things like, where's my stuff? getting an update on your delivery status of something you might have purchased from Amazon. Great.
1: So that's a really broad list of things you may not realize that all the impact that AI machine learning is having and something as simple as putting together a shopping list and buying stuff. So that's really interesting. So how is your group currently applying artificial intelligence within perhaps on the Alexa side and the device and, and on the back ends to really support all the range of these different applications? Yeah, absolutely. Like, we said.
0: hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies.
1: We also run the most authoritative, vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you.
0: If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast.
2: Absolutely, Like, as you said, a lot of areas that we're leveraging various aspects of AI, you know, primarily machine learning and deep learning and neural nets. Probably the four areas to describe where we use it most. One is understanding what the customer said to Alexa. Next area is understanding what they're trying to do. Third area is how can we best help them? How can Alexa help them? And then the fourth area is predicting what they might need and Alexa being helpful in a proactive way. And so maybe some quick examples of each of those, some of the challenges. When you take a look at what customers say in a shopping context, you have a very, very large what's referred to as a lexicon, the words humans use to describe the things that they want to shop for. give you a sense for how expansive that lexicon is, Amazon, for example, carries 400 million different items. Each of those items have anywhere between 50 to, say, 100 different attributes. Might be color, might be weight, might be price, all sorts of different attributes. And many of those products are in the tail and mm. so they're not spoken very frequently. Some of them are even brand names that a lot of people don't know how to pronounce. It might be a brand name from a different country that was originated in a different language. It might just be a you know, a trendy name that yeah, a company I mean, like, How picked. do
1: you say skunchi the hairband? What yeah, is that Exactly, anyway? exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a perfect example. <laughs> And so there's a lot of challenges in applying AI there and helping with the automated speech recognition. Uh-huh. In uh, figuring out what a customer is trying to do, that one tends to be a problem of understanding both what we call propensity, so what does that customer demonstrated as a history and some preferences, as well as determining which part of Alexa we should route them to. A good classic example of where we apply a lot of ML might be, Alexa, I want a pizza. And so... Do they want to order a pizza from home delivery? Do they want to get a frozen pizza from Amazon Fresh? Do they want to get a ready-to-bake pizza from Whole Foods? You know What is the option they're looking for? And so we use ML models to do some ranking of the different ways we could best serve the customer and help them in that way. And in determining the ways we can predict what a customer might need is probably one of the most interesting fields of the application of ML. And that's where you're looking at, for example, understanding and modeling the consumption That a household might be using printer toner, might be using coffee, might be using filters for their water out of their fridge, and understanding when those things might be running out and helping the customer with a helpful reminder about that. So you're helping the customer before they've run out, so they don't have that sort of urgent situation where they have to go to the store then. And so those are all a variety of ways that we're bringing modeling and AI across automated speech recognition, what's called natural language understanding, what gets referred to as a field of informational retrieval. Some people refer to that as search and then in a number of predictive modeling areas.
0: Yeah, those are some great use cases. So it's funny because Alexa is still fairly new. It's about five years old. Sometimes it feels a lot longer than that. And so this whole field of conversational commerce is still new as well. How do you see conversational commerce evolving in the coming years, and what challenges or issues will companies need to take into consideration as we move forward with this?
2: Oh, that's a great question. I think one of the areas that comes to mind is the one we just spoke about, is predictive commerce, mm-hmm. and that can go all the way to taking care of the need before the customer is even aware of it. We have, for example, an area that we've applied some of these techniques is something called the Dash Replenishment Service. And so you could have a printer that does this for you where the printer figures out when it needs the toner and it'll go ahead and order the toner on your behalf so it just shows up. And so I think looking at the wave of that coming about where helping customers with the things that maybe are lower consideration shopping. It's things they don't necessarily enjoy shopping for. Like how would you actually do that on a predictive basis to just make that super convenient and reduce the amount of time they actually have to apply there. Another area is what you might have heard a couple of days ago that we announced, a technology called Alexa Conversations. And this is where we're looking at Alexa for dialogues are more adaptive and are anticipating what other needs you might have as a part of that dialogue. And of course, we've demonstrated that one around the night out, where it started as a discussion about movie tickets and then it moved into booking a meal, and then it moved into booking the ride to the restaurant. And being able to customers in that way where it becomes a more adaptive dialogue that develops as it unfolds with the customer and I think that's an area in commerce that you're going to see more and more happening. A third area uh, that I think is going to be a super important consideration in AI commerce and, and commerce over voice is customer trust and the expectations customer have for the amount of trust they have with, what, with whatever personal assistant they're engaging in, we're expecting that to be even higher than what they have for commerce they're doing on a mobile device or the internet. And so making sure that that's foremost in people's sort of design considerations and thinking about how do they establish and maintain trust with the customer because the customer is getting a lot of assistance from the particular application, the device, and that's something that we think Companies that are considering Perfect. commerce in this way should think about those three items.
1: So, what do you see as some of the challenges? Obviously, you know the idea of conversational commerce is different than perhaps what people may be familiar with. Well, traditional e-commerce, even though e-commerce is itself a revolution in the way people have been buying things. So, you know, what do you see as some of the challenges in the use and application of AI to support this conversational mode of commerce? I know that some of the things that we've talked about in previous podcast episodes is the fact that you can't really do search the way that you would do search with the you know you can't going pages and pages. Of information. If you had, like, you know, Lexa, help me buy a tent, a sleeping bag. We would talk about that all the time. There's so many combinations. So that's one of those challenges. And I'm just curious as to some, maybe some of the other challenges in making sort of this mode of conversational commerce work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll speak to maybe some of the customer experience design considerations and then talk about some of the challenges in AI. So that point you brought up is a very good one. I think some of the early versions of how people were looking at, at conversational commerce was thinking in terms of, well, everything that I could do on my laptop or my mobile phone, I'll do that in voice. But then you do get into these kind of higher consideration things. Maybe it's more expensive, maybe you're just wanting to make sure you get the right tent or the right sleeping bag. And so you want to look at a number of options, and that's not something that is necessarily super easy to do, just over voice. And so what we've done with Alexa, and this is most predominantly going on in the Alexa shopping space, but it's also in other parts of Alexa, is we're using a combination of voice and graphical user interface, what we call VUI, voice user interface, and graphical user interface. And sometimes that's happening synchronously, so at the same time like where the device happens to have a screen and so you can speak to Alexa and Alexa will display things but where you have a device that doesn't have a screen Alexa will send things to your phone for example and so for the tent example you brought up you might ask Alexa what are the best tents I should consider Alexa will think through a variety of of factors based on anything she might know about you and she'll send to your phone you know, three or four options for you to consider And whenever it's convenient for you, you pick that up and take that as a launching off point for the rest of your shopping. And this interplay between kind of going back and forth between voice to screen and back to voice to screen, both at the same moment or minutes or hours or days apart, is something that we're finding customers appreciate. Some of the AI challenges, you know, are very similar to what you've heard in general from some of the speakers. The availability and breadth of the training data. And we talked about you kind know, of these breadths of catalogs and the different things, like what is important to me for a tent may be different than what's important for you for a tent. And so what we're gonna ask about, how we're gonna ask it is gonna be quite different. So a lot of these traditional techniques in machine learning where humans actually label all the data so that you can do the training, some of these are both very expensive and take very long. And so there's a lot of techniques that we're applying, such as uh, simulated learning, where you find ways to take, for example, all the different things you could ask, and you're actually running it through on a simulated basis to create learning data. Or semi-supervised learning, where you're actually putting a feature out for customers, and as customers use it, it starts to get broader applicability and gets better at what it does. Another area that I think we sometimes overlook at a conference like Mars, where we're we're talking a lot about fundamental science and technology developments, but ultimately for us on Alexa, and it's true of Alexa Shopping as well, our most complex challenge is taking all of this science and technology and make it disappear for the customer so that what she's experienced is a trusted, intuitive, simple interaction that's helpful every time. And that's probably the hardest of our problems.
0: Yeah. You know, thank you so much. This was a very insightful podcast. You brought up some great examples. And this whole idea of conversational commerce is still in its very early days. And so I'm sure that, you know, through feedback with your customers, you will continue to grow and improve and iterate and continue to make this overall experience better. So we're excited to see where things go. I'd like to end this podcast with a final note of what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its applications to corporations and beyond.
2: Absolutely. Happy to answer that. And I absolutely agree with you that it's early days for a lot of these things, including conversational commerce. We've heard a lot of these last few days at Remars about the accelerated progress that we're seeing in many, many industries with AI and machine learning, neural nets, all of these different techniques. And the things that we're seeing that's driving that acceleration is the inexpensive connected devices and sensors that are available in so many different places today, and then the cheap data and compute services that are available. And it's those capabilities that I think are kind of making a lot of the heavy lifting in AI easier for many companies and many industries to take on. But I think when we at Amazon think about the future of AI, now our vision for that future is a lot about democratizing AI. And I think the Amazon Web Services SageMaker, I think Alexa Conversations, are great examples of this. And with the view being the more players that are coming in to serve more different needs for customers the better outcome that we're going to have. And so we see a future of there being many winners, like the Internet had. There'll be many winners in AI. Versus, say, what we saw in the mobile space, where there was just a few winners. And having those many, many different AIs that are available, some of them will be broad, horizontal AIs that do great many things for customers, like Alexa. Some of them will be very vertically specific in a given industry, and some of them will be niche. It'll be just the, the perfect AI for picking a camping tent. And that's what we saw on the internet, right? Right. We saw this great proliferation of all these things that became fabulous for customers, like this ton of different ways that they could solve their problems. And that is ultimately, that democratization of AI is what we believe is going to create a better outcome for the customers and for all the businesses that serve them. So that's where we see this all going.
1: Well, excellent. I know that our listeners probably have picked up a lot of interesting insights you know, from what you talked about. And once again, we hope with this particular podcast, you're going to hear sort of this interesting, broader story about AI machine learning across the various different parts of the Amazon organization, across Alexa and Amazon Web Services and all the majillions of things that Amazon's up to. So really want to thank you very much for participating with us on this podcast here live on the Of
2: Remars, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for joining us at Remars.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chuck. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast today.
1: Okay, we hope you enjoyed that interview. Now, moving on to our next interview that was recorded live at Amazon Remars Conference 2019 in Las Vegas. We are excited and thrilled to have with us as a guest from Amazon Roger Barge, who is the General Manager of AWS Robotics. So, hi, Roger. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you. Good afternoon.
0: Welcome, Roger, and thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your role at Amazon.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Roger Barge. I'm General Manager of AWS Robotics. I've had the good fortune to work at Amazon, AWS in particular, for the last five years. I started by managing the Kinesis Data Streaming Services, which is a family of of data streaming services, including Kinesis Video, Kinesis Data Streams, Kinesis Firehose, Kinesis Analytics. And Kinesis Video. In the last year, I've had the great opportunity to be leading AWS Robotics. Well, great.
1: So, for those uh, folks who are here at the conference, you know, obviously people may or may not be aware of how heavily Amazon is investing in robotics. So, can you tell us a little bit about the broad
3: scope of robotics and autonomous services and applications at Amazon? Yes, so Amazon in particular our fulfillment centers has been innovating and applying robotics working alongside of our individual customer humans working in our fulfillment centers to deliver products to our customers for years now and currently we have roughly 200,000 mobile robotic bases in use helping deliver products to our customers.
0: Great. Now, Amazon has a lot of products and services that you offer, and one of them is AWS RoboMaker, which provides the tools to make building intelligent robotic applications more accessible to everybody. So, can you quickly explain to our listeners who may not be familiar with RoboMaker what it is and share with us some examples of how companies and partners are using RoboMaker?
3: Sure. So, we talked to well over 200 customers who are attempting to build and deploy robotics into their applications, both within inside of our company, but also outside of Amazon. And what we found is that a lot of them actually spend an incredible amount of time, I'd say 80 to 90% of their time, writing software, which we call undifferentiated heavy lifting. It didn't add value to the robot they're trying to build. It was just necessary software that had to be built in order for them to build, test, deploy, and eventually manage their robot application. That's exactly the functionality that AWS RoboMaker provides. It's DevOps for building robotics applications. In addition, we integrate cloud services such as Poly, Lex, Recognition, Kinesis Video, CloudWatch, so developers can take advantage of these cloud services and not run all of the processing on the robot, but instead take advantage of the power and the resources available on the cloud. Well, great.
1: And I know that you know here at the REBAR's conference, you know, people think about all the great promises and all the things that folks can do with AI and machine learning. But of course, there are, you know, it's not a perfect technology. So, you know, what do you see as some of the primary challenges in the use and adoption of AI to support some of the things that you're doing at Amazon?
3: Sure. So, one of the things that most supervised learning algorithms require is to have access to good labeled data to create a training corpus to actually train the machine learning algorithm with. AWS Ground Truth is a service that actually allows our customers to get access to labelers, to actually label the data and provide labeled data that can be fed into a machine learning algorithm. But another approach that we're taking in RoboMaker integrated with SageMaker is to use reinforcement learning and simulation, where simulation simulates the environment in which the application is gonna be running, the machine learning agent in particular, and the agent can learn through simulation. In fact, because RoboMaker allows you to scale out 10 hundred or a thousand simulations, you can have a thousand learners actually experimenting with the algorithm, getting feedback, and integrating those learnings simultaneously into a new smarter agent that can be redeployed. In fact, DeepRacer, which is here at this event, actually uses RoboMaker simulation to run dozens of simulations of the car running around the track, getting feedback, And then the new smarter version of the driver or the agents push back into the simulation to continue this learning cycle until it's ready for actually being put into production with our fleet management feature of RoboMaker.
0: Yeah, that's a really great use case. And we don't always talk a lot about reinforcement learning because, you know, there's a lot of applications of where our customers and clients and listeners on the podcast are using supervised learning, but not everybody is talking about reinforcement learning. So bringing up DeepRacer was a great example. And there's a DeepRacer league, and you also have that here at the show. So it's really cool to see it in action and how it's continuing to learn over time and how you can run it in these simulations. So, can you tell us how, you know, that's evolved? within Amazon as well using reinforcement learning techniques.
3: So it still is an area of very active research. But you have to realize when you're actually working with a robotic arm that costs tens of thousands of dollars, or if not more, you really can't learn by trial and error out in the real world. That's a very expensive learning exercise. So we are, in fact, building simulators that allow the developer to tell what aspects of the simulation it can change. And then as a service, we'll automatically create new environments. We call it domain randomization to create these simulations automatically for our customer. And in some cases, the robot arm is actually in the loop of the simulation so it's actually moving and taking action in a controlled environment to give it feedback. Again, it's a very powerful technique.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's one thing that we're starting to see greater use of. A lot of our conversations in our podcast, to talk about these seven patterns of artificial intelligence. One of those are these goal-driven systems, which, of course, is powered by reinforcement learning. So, talking a little bit about the future, maybe looking ahead a little bit, you know, what do you believe is the future of AI, and in general, and its application to corporations, and enterprises, and academics, and agencies, and all kind and beyond.
3: I think a common theme that we have heard this year at Remars is that this, we really are at the beginning, even though we've been practicing, studying and applying machine learning now for well over two decades, it still is very early in the evolution. I've been surprised at the innovation of our customers and how they're applying SageMaker, how they're using Poly and Lex to add more natural interfaces to devices. In fact, one of my customers here is Robot Care Systems. Their robot they're showing off is Leah. Leah is a walker robot that allows the elderly and disabled to provide them mobility and independence. And they wanted a more natural interface for Leah. And so they integrated with AWS RoboMaker, which has integration for Polly and Lex. And now their users can actually talk to the robot, command the robot from afar to come through them with their voice. And what a more natural way to interact with the device, which is such as so intimate as a walker. Leah in turn can give feedback to the user about how fast they're walking. Leah can actually stream data on the user's performance up to the cloud where a predictive model could be monitoring the health, the recovery, the mobility of a patient and actually give their doctors feedback on the user's progression. So I think we're just really just starting to see the beginning of it. When we talk about new challenges, especially in the area of robotics, is how can robotics have a more natural connection with users? How can they actually talk to us in a natural form, sense our stress level, understand our intent a little bit better so the interaction between humans and robots will actually evolve to be much more natural. That's going to be an exciting area to watch.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to that ourselves because, like you said, we've been doing this for a while, but it still, in some respects, feels at its infancy with regards to certain things, or that we're still evolving. It's a forever evolution. So, it will be interesting to see how humans and robots can continue to interact in the future. And I know that in one of the presentations, they talked about how we are getting an elderly population and how do you let the elderly and the disabled live independently without having such a resource constraint. And so robotics is an answer to that.
3: It is indeed. And Aaliyah and being one fine example, we've seen examples at universities of cane that's being used by an individual for stability it becomes really a sensor platform. Again, these, this is running ROSS and it's actually sensing the stability of the user, helping a dynamically adjust their, for their stability. So again, I think we're going to start to see much more natural instruments that we can actually use in our life being powered by machine learning and robotics to actually just allow a user to function more capably.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because as these things become more part of our daily lives, you don't think of them as friction and that they shouldn't be there and that you come to expect it almost. So I'm interested to see as well where the future with robotics and humans will go.
1: Yeah, Roger, I want to thank you so much for joining and sharing your perspectives here at the AI Today podcast at Remars. So thank you again for participating. Thank you both. Great conversation.
0: Yeah, Roger, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hope you enjoyed that interview as well. So moving on to our last interview that was recorded live at the Amazon Remars Conference 2019 in Las Vegas, Nevada we have an excellent guest who is part of the host for the show here at Amazon and we have our guest today is Srikantha Rumalai who is the vice president of Search at Amazon. Hi, Srikanth. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, welcome, and thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Amazon.
4: Yes, hi. As you pointed out, I'm uh, Vice President of Search at Amazon, and I work. I lead teams that work on text search and visual search right at Amazon. You saw Jeff Bulkey introduce a feature where customers can point at or take and upload a photo of a a clothing item and then search for it on Amazon. And so that's an example of visual search. And text search is something all of us do. We type in a text query in the Amazon search box and look at search results. So I've been at Amazon for about 14 years, and I've spent the last two years in search. Prior to the search team, I was on the personalization and recommendations team, making recommendations widgets, the ones you see on Amazon that say customers who bought also bought, so those kinds of widgets. And before that, I was using machine learning to improve the quality of Amazon's product catalog. So in one form or another, I've been working on machine learning systems to improve the discoverability of products on Amazon for the last 14 years. And before that, I was working at various companies, big and small. I was at IBM for a couple of years. I was at Akamai before that and at Cray Research. And I got my PhD in signal processing and electrical engineering from the University of Illinois.
1: Oh, all right, yeah, my home state. Well, one of my home <laughs> states, at least. Um, so tell us a little bit, you because know, people don't necessarily. I mean, obviously, people are aware that you know Amazon has a gigantic catalog, you know, of, of all sorts of stuff, right? And so, they, but they may not necessarily be thinking about search when they think about Amazon, right? But of course, that powers everything. So, how is your group in search, you know, currently applying artificial intelligence? Because here we're thinking about AI and machine learning. You know, obviously, we've had search, you know, that's not particularly intelligent search, right? So, but you're doing things intelligently. So, you know, what is the future of how how AI is going to be applied to this problem of search.
4: Yeah, I know, you know when we use these terms AI and machine learning kind of you know, interchangeably, and I kind of prefer to use machine learning rather than AI, but uh, it's a matter of personal preference, but we apply machine learning and AI techniques to almost every aspect of search, whether it is when a customer starts typing in a search query, we use machine learning to auto-complete their search query right? We make auto-completion suggestions. We use machine learning to correct their spelling errors, if there are any. We use machine learning to match their queries to products that we sell on Amazon, so they see the right products in search. We use machine learning to order these products, so we show the ones they're most likely to buy on the first page of search results. We kind of even use machine learning to optimize the page layout, Right, So customers find it easy to look for the products they want to buy. We even use machine learning to optimize the architecture of our search engine. So every problem that could use optimization has machine learning involved in it. So it's truly ubiquitous, as you heard you know, Jeff Wilkie say at the keynote yesterday. It kind of permeates everything we do within search.
0: That's really interesting because I think that a lot of customers and just general users of Amazon don't realize how much machine learning is really going into so many of the things that we touch on a daily basis. So it's interesting how you bring that up. And hyper-personalization you talked about, that's one of the seven patterns of AI that we've identified. So how will this idea of treating each person as an individual, so hyper-personalization is where I no longer bucket you into groups and categories, but I can treat each customer as an individual customer and give them exact targeted products, recommendations, services that they would like. So how is this idea of treating each person as an individual come into play with search in the coming years? Yeah,
4: I mean, that's a great question. As you probably know, we've been applying personalization and making personalized recommendations across Amazon for the last 20 years, right? It's almost synonymous with the Amazon shopping experience, right? And what we're going to see in the next few months and years is that You know, this difference between search and recommendations is going to be blurred, right? You can think of search results as recommendations in the context of the search query, right? And then hyper-personalization becomes, well, do we just look at the search query or do we consider the customer who's making the search query as we generate recommendations for the customers? So an example of this might be, let's say you bought a certain brand of paper towel and a specific item on Amazon a few weeks back and you visit the site again and you search for paper towels. There's a good chance you're going to buy that brand and that specific item, right? So uh, rather than actually treating it as an information retrieval problem, you might want to treat it as a recommendations problem and recommend the paper towel that I'd brought previously. We actually have this feature on our website It's called Buy It Again, right? And it helps you sort of quickly identify the product you've just purchased in the past and just buy that product again, right? And so we'll start seeing these kinds of recommendations, widgets show up in search more and more in the future you already see some of them in search today but you'll start seeing more of them and you know these recommendations widgets will be more personalized right in the future so for example if we know that the customer has shown a strong preference for a certain brand when they're purchasing jeans the next time they're searching for jeans right it kind of makes sense to show recommendations of jeans from that brand or similar brands right and so you'll start seeing recommendations sort of show up in search more and you know in some sense I think going forward that's what we want to do. We want to start blurring these lines between information retrieval or search, you know, and product recommendations. But what's also interesting is like when we talk about hyper personalization, we've got to be careful about how far we take it, right. right? Right? Because Amazon sells many different products, right? And you know, people don't buy a certain category of products that often. I don't buy TVs every other day, right? Mm -hmm. And for Amazon to claim that they know my taste in TVs would be overreaching quite a bit, right? And so what we want to do is, in addition, of course, to learning about the customer's preferences, we also want to adapt to their behavior when they're actually shopping for a TV. And that session could span minutes, hours, weeks. And when they actually are in the process of shopping for a TV, we want to listen to the cues they send, the pages they click on, the reformulations they make, the brands they select, the price points they pick, right? and adapt the experience and show a mix of products that is closer and closer to the specific product they're likely to buy. right? And so it's this combination of long-term preferences that you learn and adapt your search experience to, and also the short-term signals that customers send us that we want to adapt using.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's, you know, there's really sort of multiple models that are here. There's the models of sort of the customers, the consumers' purchase behavior, and there's also models actually of the product, right? Because sort of like yes. you can identify maybe across thousands of customer purchases patterns for that particular product you know is that product purchased frequently is it a one time product is it a seasonal product Great. is it like a replenishment type of product and you can figure that out just by observing data and having these two different models and then you can sort of figure out like no they're not going to buy those cremation urns more than once in their <laughs> life or whatever or but that's unless exact- you're in that business exactly yeah. we do have a lot of amazon business customers who <laughs> might <laughs> that's absolutely true right you could actually be in that wholesale distribution so So, it's like one of those things where we talk about some of the challenges. Like, so, you know, maybe as you're putting this together, obviously, AI machine learning, as I was saying, you know, has got a 70 year plus history, right? A very rich history. And, and, you know, we might, you know, it's basically made its resurgence for the third time, you know, over these many years. So, it's not without challenges. So, maybe you could talk to some extent about some of the challenges that you see of, of applying artificial intelligence and machine learning to some of these problems that maybe we could do it other ways, perhaps, with some more predictability, things like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: I mean,
1: there are so many challenges that we faced that I've had to deal with
4: over the last several years. First, I think, you know, foremost, what's been a big challenge for us right now is hiring, finding the right people, right, to work on these problems. As you know, I mean, this is a field that's still catching on. It's extremely hot. And the people who are skilled in this area, you know, aren't that many, right? And so we struggle to hire people and the numbers we need right, to solve these problems. So that's clearly one. But there are other sort of fundamental problems like you know most of these AI systems require a lot of data and we're fortunate in many respects to actually have the amount of data that many of these systems need but in a few cases where we need copious amounts of data that data unfortunately you know isn't readily available and we have to you know get human annotation right or human beings to kind of guide these machine learning systems with data and that could be expensive right we also have challenges with regard to computational power right and For example, specifically in search, when we have these complex machine learning models, when we evaluate them, when a customer makes a query, we don't have a lot of time before we can respond. And so we have to respond to them literally in milliseconds, right? And that requires serious computational power. And that's not readily available, right? And in many cases, we have to build custom architectures to solve these problems. And so that's another hurdle. So it's gathering the data, making sure you have the right kind of data making sure you engineer the systems so you can actually satisfy the customer request in the latency budget that you have, plus, of course, hiring the talent you need Right to build these systems and develop these algorithms.
1: So, have you heard anything or seen anything about customers who may be uncomfortable even with the levels of personalization? Because one something we talk about in reference yeah. to the un- people talk about the uncanny valley as like a humanoid kind of thing. You know, uncomfort oh, yeah. with the humanoid. But we talk about uncanny value from a data perspective, Absolutely. which is that you know everything is like oh this is much very convenient, very I love this, this is great. And then all of a sudden you cross this point, you're like oh now you know too much about me. So yeah. how do you manage that, that, that balance? Yeah,
4: it's a great question.
1: So. You know
4: trust is everything right in our business and practically any business where you interact with uh, with customers so customer trust having that trusted relationship with the customer is extremely important right and we think of a couple of things that underpin you know that trust or that trusted relationship one is transparency and the other is control right? and we've held these two kind of principles very dear as we've kind of developed our solutions now you know, when, uh, by transparency, I mean it's very clear what's going on when you see something, right? For example, when we make recommendations, we could just as easily have said, you may also like. But we title our features more factually, and we say, customers who bought this item also bought, right? So it's very clear to you why you're seeing the recommendations you're seeing, right? Or if you're not sure why you're being recommended a specific item, you know, some of our features also have a link that allows you to see why you were recommended this item, and those explanations might be, well, we recommended this item to you because you bought blah, and customers who bought this item also bought, right? And so that level of transparency allows customers to at least understand why, right? And then the next level is control, where we say, well, if you don't want us to use this item as a source for your recommendations, you know, we'll sort of, you know, not use it from here on out. So that ability for customers to control what items in their purchase history, you know, should be used to make recommendations or not, gives them that additional sort of level of trust. And so, you know, as we think about all of these experiences, we think about transparency and trust and the role they play in designing our experiences.
0: Yeah. And it's great you brought that up because I feel like every company needs to focus on transparency, trust. They have data issues, just like you guys. Maybe they don't have enough data or they have to clean it. And talent. Talent is a huge, huge issue right now where we just don't have enough people to fulfill all the jobs that we want out there. Exactly. So thank you so much for joining us today. This was a very insightful podcast and you gave us a lot of great use cases. I'd like to end by asking you what you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to corporations and beyond.
4: Right, that's a fantastic question. I mean, you know, we truly live in a golden age of AI and every day brings these news reports of, you know, fantastic achievements by some deep reinforcement learning system or the other. Right. And it's very easy to get caught up in the hype, you know, at times and wonder what we could do using, you know, these fanciful algorithms for our businesses. But it's in reality, you know, even simple techniques, right, work wonders, especially when they're applied to business problems that haven't been optimized in any systematic way. So I usually sort of tell people, sort of just like Andrew Ng did in his keynote earlier this morning, where he said, Well, The advice to business leaders would be find the problems that are most important to you in your business and then look at the ones that machine learning can be applied to. Look at the intersection of those two sets and focus your efforts on those problems. And when you tackle those problems, explore the space in a very systematic and methodical way. So, one, you've identified the problem that's important to you. Then think about what you're trying to optimize, what business metric you're trying to optimize, and then think about how you're going to construct or incorporate that business metric into some mathematical sort of form that you can apply machine learning to, and also then sort of create some kind of baseline evaluation methodology right, to see how well this technique is performing. And then finally, you can systematically go about exploring different algorithms and architectures right and see how well they perform on your business metric on your test set if you will right and so any system any problem that hasn't seen systematic optimization can usually lead to several percentage points if not multiples of lift in business metrics and so for any business leader you know a 10% improvement in your business metrics is huge right and that's definitely possible if particularly if machine learning hasn't been applied to optimize those problems. And so I'd say, you know, start small, focus on your most important problems, don't get caught up in the hype, and systematically apply machine learning to every problem in your business.
1: Excellent. Well, well, Srikanth, thank you so much for participating here. You've been uh, provided some excellent insight and I know that uh, folks who are listening to this podcast series will really appreciate hearing some of the great things that are coming out of Amazon at the Remar's conference. Great, thanks.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts,